This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. This revival meditation for the Living Truth series, amen, helps us to have a divine purpose and to realize what our divine purpose is. The title is Come to Your Senses. And the question is, how is your spiritual sense of taste? The Holy Ghost is seeking to revive our evangelistic sensitivity. There are tastes of a saved person versus the tastes of an unsaved person. Amen. So when, when Christ has come into your heart and your life, you develop a certain spiritual taste. And uh, it's different from that which you were born with, naturally born with. God needs us to have a new birth. You got to be what? Born again. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 34, verse 8, first and foremost, to help extrapolate the truth of this revival meditation. Psalm 34, it's a psalm of David. That's when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. And uh, David was a man on the run. You know, uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, where it says, you know this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. A lot of times we stop at the first clause, the Lord is good, you know, but the other part is part of it. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Trusteth means you got to always trust God in all matters of your life. Now we flip over to Hebrews 6, New Testament. Uh, verses 4 through 8. This is a parenthetical warning part of it that uh, we ought not be degenerate from Christ. The Holy Ghost comes to regenerate our spirit. And sin is in the world that we will be degenerated. Look at verses 4 through 8. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh upon cursing, whose end is to be burned. You know, everyone's tastes are, are different. And um, in fact, your tastes will change as you get older. Do you like some things for eating? I mean, do you eat certain things that you, you know, used to hate when you were a kid? Yes, I know that's true in my life. And uh, some things I liked as a kid, I hate as an adult, you know. Uh, the seesaw shifted. <laughs> and I, I, I say, ugh, I used to like that. 
Or maybe I still like it, but my body is saying, you know, the adult body I have. No, you don't need to be doing that. Those numbers, you saw, oof, those numbers, sheesh, you need to do something. So, yeah, you know, uh, when you're a baby, you, you, had, you had certain, you know, taste buds, not only in your tongue, but also on the sides and roof of your mouth since a baby. Uh, this means you are very sensitive to different foods, and um, we're speaking natural to bring it into the spiritual. Um, so as you grow, the taste buds begin to disappear from the sides and roof of your mouth, leaving taste buds mostly on your tongue. And as you get older, your taste buds will become even less sensitive, so uh, will be, uh, you will be more likely uh, to eat foods that you thought were too strong when you were a child. What if you could not taste anything? Imagine that. And I know with COVID, the way it is, and some of my colleagues having had COVID uh, said that they lost their sense of smell and they couldn't taste anything. My God. So they, they can testify to this. You know, what, what if you couldn't taste anything? These things could change your tastes when you take certain medications. For people that smoke, it changes their tastes. You know, not getting enough of the right vitamins. That could change your tastes. Injuring your head, having a brain tumor, chemical exposure, effects of radiation. All of that could cause change in your tastes, make, making you have disorders in your tastes. What about the development of a spiritual sense? of taste. Let's flip it now. The enemy of God and his people, Satan, seeks to kill, steal, and destroy spiritual senses of taste. He does not want us liking God, right? He wants to bring a disorder to our spiritual taste. He does not want us to come to our senses by eating, if you will, eating God. We consume of God, you know, in a way. Jesus told the crowd that wanted breakfast the next day after he had fed the 5,000 some fish sandwiches. Now they want breakfast. They were like, our father Moses gave us manna in the desert. What you got for us? He said, drink my blood and eat my body. My God, folks don't want to eat God. He said, oh, that teaching's too strong. Oh, we're out of here. And most of the folk left him. And that's recorded in John 6, verse 66. Go figure, 666. Now, eating God will give us the spiritual nutrients we need to be effective Christians. People of the world have not been born again and have not developed a, you know, a spiritual sense of taste to help them stay alive in Jesus. And this is not the only local assembly the Holy Ghost is speaking to about this. And I've eaten with some uh, pastoral brethren yesterday and they wanted to honor me being 60 years old now, and they were saying the Holy Spirit was leading them in such a way about being reconnected to, staying connected to, strengthening our connection with Jesus. Why is the Holy Ghost speaking this way? Because we're in the last and evil days, and people are apostate. Apostate minds and spirits are not in the world. They are inside the four walls of the church. Paul was talking to the church about apostates. 
So being born again is a spiritual experience. So Christians need to gain special wisdom that makes them sensitive to the needs of the unsaved. We're not, amen, thinking about the unsaved and how important it is for them to be saved. There's a problem with our spiritual senses. The unsaved are not alive in Jesus yet and must be helped in their journey to become a Christian. Their earthly tongues must be changed to heavenly tongues by the power of salvation that comes from truly accepting. I say truly accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. When this real change occurs, their nourishment needs will also really change. They're going to experience it for themselves. Hebrews 6 Verses three through eight in the NLT reads as follows. And so God willing, we will move forward for further understanding, for it is impossible to restore to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people to repentance again because they are nailing the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting him, holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the rain that falls on it and bears a good crop for the farmer, uh, it has the blessing of God. But if a field bears thistles and thorns, it is useless. The farmer will condemn that field and burn it. What about God? You think God wants to burn people in hell? No. There are scriptures you can infer that it breaks God's heart when men decide to toss themselves in hell. We are implicating ourselves when we are born and shaped in iniquity and we realize it one day as we grow old enough to know that the age of accountability and the Holy Ghost reveals that truth to us. But uh, even though we know we're on death row, we shake that, you know, conviction off and act as if it's one of the best rides you can be on. Uh, this is an indication of the fallen mindset of the world. And some of that mindset has crept into the house of God as we begin to rear up idols right in the house of God. In the things we do, our philosophy, our theologies are full of idolatry today. And there is uh, crooked teaching. There is a spirit of rebellion and witchcraft where no one could tell me anything. And we become rebellious and we're in that untouchable stage. Uh, nobody can, you know, uh, uh, condemn me, as we would like to say. But the Holy Ghost doesn't come to condemn. We condemn. We are already condemned. That's why we don't come to the light, because we don't want to be reproved. That's what John, the third chapter, teaches. And uh, we need to come to a reckoning by the Holy Spirit as he convicts us, lets us know that we're wrong by the living truth. And we base our life on that, not on false teachings and seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Don't do it on that. Do it on the real, unadulterated word of God. The Holy Ghost will reveal that truth, convict you for real, and cause you to have sorrow that leads to repentance. It's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. That's what we need. We don't need anger and rebellion, clamor and murmuring that goes against what the Holy Ghost is trying to say.
Which brings me to this thought. Are today's quick confessions of faith really lasting? If you look around, amen, the hemisphere of our West, Western world, we see a lot of false repentance going on. Uh, the Apostle John uh, was writing about people who had professed to be believers and had participated in the activities of local churches. Sounds like today. They then had developed uh, a false teaching and brought into their own spirit the teaching of the Gnostics. And um, they had then developed this murmuring apostate mindset, and then they left the Christian fellowship. Their deliberate departure indicated that they had never been born again, according to 1 John 2.19. And by openly denying that Jesus is the Christ in 1 John 2.22, they had committed the sin leading to death. And it was useless to pray for their recovery, according to 1 John 5.16, the latter part of verse 16. Uh, some earnest Christians are troubled when they read Hebrews 6 and similar passages like it, Satan uses these verses especially to unsettle believers who are having physical, mental, and emotional difficulties. They fear that they have fallen away from Christ and that there is no hope for restoration. They worry that they have drifted beyond redemption's point. Uh, the fact that they are even concerned about it is conclusive evidence that they are not apostates. What is an apostate? An apostate would not have any such fears. Uh, an apostate would brazenly repudiate Christ. My God, I have had to tell so many young people the fact that you have this conviction in your heart and the need to make a change for the better according to God's will, which seemingly is hard for you right now, but you want it. That tells me you're not an apostate, I tell them. And they get hope, amen? And that could lead them to the sinner's prayer. But if sin of apostasy does not apply to Believers, to whom then does it apply in our day? It applies, for instance, to a young man who makes a profession of faith in Christ and seems to go on brightly for a while, but then something happens in his life. Perhaps he experiences bitter persecution. Perhaps he falls into gross immorality. There's so much porn all around, right? A couple of clicks, you're in there. Or perhaps he goes off to college and is shaken by the anti-Christian arguments of atheistic uh, teachers. Uh, with full knowledge of the truth, he deliberately turns away from it. He completely renounces Christ and viciously tramples on every sacred fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. Which is why I tell the young people, don't make memes of the truth of God. When you hear things stated in church a lot, even though you haven't, you know, submitted therefore to it, it becomes as noise as in the day of Isaiah when people were mocking and mimicking Isaiah. They kept hearing the same word. They were like, you know, line upon line, you know, here a little, there a little. They were, and it seemed like preachers like using that scripture for, you know, being able to go into the word and line up and line, teach the word of God. But the people were scoffing Isaiah because of how he was doing that. 
We don't want to scoff, you know, and make memes and make jokes about it. My God, there's so much on YouTube about silly things that happen in the so-called house of God of people, people of ill repute who are, you know, bringing a disdain upon the name of Christ. And the young people are making jokes of it. But sometimes the devil could flip that and now you become a murmurer of the truth that's going to be needed to save you. It's a trick of the enemy. The Bible says it is impossible to, to restore such a one to repentance and experience uh, corroborates the Bible. There have been many who have apostatized from Christ giving their souls to Satan, who will never allow them to turn and return back to Christ, of course. As we approach the end of this age, we can expect the rising tide of apostasy, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, according to 1 Timothy 4, 1. Therefore, the warning against falling away becomes more relevant with every day that passes. You look at the news and you'll see wars, rumors of wars, my God, pestilence, my God. According to the verse we read, verse 7, uh, now the writer turns to the world of nature to find a counterpart to the true believer in verse 7 and to the apostate, verse 8. In both cases, the person is likened to the land. Um, the privileges listed in verses 4 and 5 are compared to the invigorating rain. The crop of vegetation speaks of the ultimate response of the person to the privileges received. This in turn determines whether the land is blessed or cursed. The true believer is like the land which drinks in the rain, brings forth useful vegetation and fruit, right? And it is blessed by God. It brings glory to God. In verse eight, the apostate is like land that also is well watered, but it bears nothing but thorns and briars, the fruit of sin. When there's a little bit of sin, what's going to happen? The whole formula is now perverted, right? So it receives but never produces useful plants, doesn't produce useful fruit. Such land is worthless. It is condemned already. Its destiny is to be burned. What else can we say about the apostate mindset? What are the marks of an apostate? Let's look at a few based on the book of Jude, which only has one chapter, but very, very powerful. And I took notes from a sermon from the late Adrian Rogers. My God, as I was meditating in one of my uh, revival meetings this week. And the Lord was like, oh, you're going to have to use this. So this is not just uh, something passing by your ear and you didn't my heart burn, you know, and you're no write it down. I had to rewind it a lot of times. <laughs> and uh, he said, share this. Amen. So here we are today sharing this based on Jude 12 and verse 13. The devil is not against religion. You all know that, right? What did he do in the Garden of Eden? made a false religion you can do religious stuff and not have a, a relationship with the god that's trying to boss you around about all these trees eat that one not this one not so much this one that one you know go ahead eat it you're not gonna die isn't it like the devil just straight up lying 
He's not against religion, but he fights against a right relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are some today who do not accept God's will for saving souls from an eternal hell. There is a battle against the Bible today. Holy ideals are being mocked. And um, people who are apostate mainly teach against the following uh, creeds of the Christian faith. The virgin birth of Christ. Imagine that, going against the virgin birth of Christ. Some are, some are going against the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are we going to stand in Christendom without that? Some are going against the blood atonement of Jesus, actually saying we don't need these archaic fundamentalist um, theologies. And, and it's rather savage having to deal with blood. I was like, what? I couldn't believe my ears from a seminary teacher. My God against the blood atonement of Jesus. Some are against the bodily resurrection of Christ. Imagine that, against the bodily resurrection. Some are against the visible return of Jesus. There's gonna be a shout and he's gonna crack the sky. My God, hasn't God's word brought forth what it was set out to bring forth in years past, amen? And doing it right now, currently, you know he's gonna do it in the future. He will never lie. Some teachers today are against the infallible inerrancy of the Bible. My God, you can hear these famous preachers on TV saying there are some things that are in the world that the word of God cannot answer to. They like to say stuff like that now. Be careful of that. The Bible answers every question in life. My God. Now, the picture God makes in the book of Jude, um, as he describes apostates, is that such souls who frequent church services but are not actually contenders of holy faith are five main things. And we're done. Um, Jude calls them dangerous spots, sunken, hidden rocks just beneath the surface. Right. They could trip you up. They come in, creeping in. Some kind of bolder, you know, today, pretty ostentatious about coming right on in. Why? Because they make such a good pretense. Some who have not been discipled into Christ cannot tell the difference between a masquerading light and the real light of Christ. So they become uh, one of us, if you will, and they come in, though, to divide they are dividers in the fellowship of agape. In the ancient day, they used to have agape feasts. And the people who had come to know Jesus, they would fellowship together in those feasts. And they now, if you read the scripture, um, it said that there have some come in, crept in unawares. They seem to be part of the real deal, but they are not the real deal. The enemy seeks to damage the hull, if you will, of God's love boat <laughs> to sink its fellowship. 
The devil comes. Yes, he wants to throw men overboard. He wants to sink the ship. My God. But if we are, amen, real, real pillars of of, of faith, of holy faith, and our feet have been shod with the gospel of preparation of peace, you are prepared. You're enabled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you're going to be a protector, a defender of the faith. Amen. You're going to be enabled by the Holy Ghost power to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And then you can, amen, answer, be the answer to those dangerous spots, to those sunken, hidden rocks. Apostates are also looked upon as, number two, clouds, but without water. They creep in liberally as a rain cloud, but they are deceptive. They promise a whole lot, but deliver very little. There's no true Holy Spirit in their life. Living by the Holy Spirit? No. They're going to be living what? By the flesh. They're going to be living by their own intellect apart from the knowledge of Christ. From such, the word of God tells us to turn away from. Amen. Thank God. Apostates are like number three, dead, fruitless trees. You know, dead, dead, useless trees, um, you could do a whole lot to them, but they will yet remain useless. You can try to prune them. They're still going to be what? Useless. You can try to cultivate the ground all around them, teach real good, but they're still going to be what? Useless. You can try to rename them, give them titles and such, but what? They will still be what? Useless. You can try to decorate a fruitless dead tree, but it's still fruitless and dead. And it's only good to be gathered up, sent out, and burned. That's what the Bible says. If you're not born twice, you'll die twice. Think about it. God's trees will what? Yield and bear fruit according to his will and glory. But apostates, they will imitate fruit. They will see how fruit looks. Oh, that's how it looks. They will try to imitate it but cannot bear the fruit of the spirit like a real saint of God will being a bearer of the fruit. My God, apostates will be imitators of the fruit, but you can only go so far with that. Amen. Number four, apostates are disturbed like a raging sea. You ever been at the ocean when the waves are really strong and kicking up? That's the spirit of an apostate person. They're not satisfied they are discontent they have a discontent kind of mindset they're always busy 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 but they never seem to get satisfied they are troublemakers they don't have peace in their heart they are always emoting carnal contention in the midst of the fellowship uh, and there's a shameful sensual immorality deep within them that eventually comes up and reveals itself when they have that kind of disturbed kind of spirit. My God. Which brings us to number five. Apostates are doomed, wandering, lost stars. If you look at the universe, there are some stars seemingly drifting. They're not fixed. They don't, they don't have an orbit. You know, we have a hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God, my Father. You know, and, it, and one part of the verse is talking about 
uh, the stars in their courses above. You know, if you're in God, you're going to have the divine course. Outside of God, there's utter what darkness. There's a lot of regret. And the Bible says it's, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're, you're regretting having separated yourself, but you can't come back. You're just drifting in outer darkness. That's how apostates are really in their spirit. They put on a show one way, but really they are doomed, wandering lost stars, not fixed, and they don't have an orbit. The gravitational pull of the sun in nature is not keeping such stars stationary and what about people like this in the spirit the s-o-n the capital s-o-n the son of god is not you know being allowed to keep them stationary he has a gravitational pull that keeps us from what falling and faltering my God. But if you're apart from that, you can do nothing. Jesus said, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Apart from me, what? You can do absolutely nothing. You're going to be doomed. You're going to be lost. You're going to be wondering. You can't find your own way. You're going to grope about in darkness. You can't find your own way. Jesus is the one that helps us find him. He is the way he brings us to him. And we can accept him or reject him. Outside of him is darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the destiny of a doomed, wandering, lost star. You don't want to be that. How we live before the unsaved is very important. How are you shining? How are you faring in your shining ability? Are you shining for Jesus? Or are you blending? The world needs a greater threshold of brilliance. We need to shine apart from what's shown out there in the world. Rich people think they got it going on, got it made in the shade, of course. But you know what? You cannot take your money train to glory. My God. You ever see money trucks following a hearse? No. It's very important to shine in darkness so that the brilliance of God allures them away from the alluring pull of hell. Hell tastes good outside of hell, right? And sometimes it seems like heaven is distasteful outside of heaven. Why? Because we're born and shaped in iniquity. We're born with a taste of hell. But we need a new taste. God needs to come in and transform our taste. Amen. We're born with the taste of hell, a hellish tongue. But God needs to come in and change us. Amen. And transform us in such a way that now we have been changed. Amen. God comes in. Amen. And makes a shift happen. We, we, we move from death to life, from darkness to light. And God changes our taste buds. Yes. From a hellish taste to a heavenly taste. My God. It don't always taste good at first to the tongue but oh when you let it go down amen it's a soothing satisfying feeling of something i was missing i was amen deprived for far too long i should have amen tasted and was able to see that god is good hallelujah thank god it's a part of our witness to the unsaved for them to see that God is good. Not that just plain old life is good. All of us have plain old life, but we need something else. We need something super above. We need extraordinary. 
Thank God. We must choose this day whether we will commit to our evangelistic purpose from heaven. Amen. And we don't want just a quick quota, but we want sincere salvation. A quick quota. We could just have barbecues and such. I saw this past weekend. Amen. On the farther side of uh, the area that we have been planted thus far, the end of the block, all kinds of tents and, you know, bazaars and things, ice cream trucks and all kinds of things going on down there. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to titillate the natural senses. And how is that going to change them and convert them from out of darkness into the marvelous light of God? Because they had a good taste on their tongue and all of a sudden they're going to want Jesus. I bid thee nay. People will grab their ice cream cone and eventually, amen, before it melt real good, they're going to be gone. They're going to show you where God showed us, split them. Amen. In a minute. Thank God. Never hitherto to return. Amen. Because now they saw it was a bait and switch kind of thing. We don't want to be in a bait and switch ministry. Amen. I'm going to tell you straight up what I'm about. Amen. I'm going to lay all my cards on the table. You can't beat God. He'll show you all his cards and you still won't beat him. Hallelujah. God said he's got to win. That's why I like God because I don't like losing. I like being in God because he never loses. Oh, I say, I love you, God. What? I get to win all the, Oh, I like winning. I'm going to be on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. The devil tricked me for a minute. Hallelujah. Looked like I was on the winning side. I felt good. Everybody was doing the same thing. But everybody go home and sing in the blues. And love would have brought you home last night. Oh, and all singing, all of that stuff. No, no, no. God, amen. Save me real good. And he had me a good woman already saved and he had to work on proclivities in her and me. Then put us together. Amen. And uh, marriage comes from heaven. My God, it has to come from heaven. You could have all kind of things you could look for a marriage in. But I tell you, bottom line, a marriage comes from heaven. Amen. Eventually, you better learn how to what? Trust God. If you don't trust God for your love, amen, uh, you're looking in vain, I tell you. If you're looking for love in all the wrong places, my God, you're not going to be satisfied. God has the remedy, my God. If you're looking for satisfaction for your natural body, look for it through God. God's going to show you how to do it. Every proclivity in you, God knows how you tick. God knows how to tune the strings of your heart. He created you. He's the one that created you. He, amen, knows how to, amen, make things move in you why don't you amen make a move to the move of the holy ghost and let the holy ghost come in and do what the holy ghost came to do and let him amen help you to have perfect peace not just a a finite little quick peace 
amen, where the church get a quick quota and church can, uh, people can come in and get some of the church crack that we, you know, show them and, and then we leave out a little bit high, but then we get dry again and, oh, come back in. We're going to do some more barbecuing and dancing and stuff and, oh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to throw Jesus in a little bit here and there, a little hallelujah here, a little hallelujah there and everything going to be all right, but then you're going to feel dry again. Why? Because you didn't let Christ come all the way in. We dancing around Christ, dancing around the ditch, but didn't climb out of the ditch and go to the altar to get saved, sanctified, filled, delivered, amen, cleansed out, amen, filled again with the good stuff of God, sealed to the day of redemption. God needs to do all of that. Amen. The Spirit is asking as we close, why would you hear the truth and then deny it? Why? Why accept the eternal damnation of an apostate mind. Why? God is calling. He's tenderly calling. Where is he calling? He's calling in the four walls of the church. Amen. People say, oh, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, we need to preach to the choir. The choir is on its way to hell. My God, the deacon board on its way to hell. My God, the pastoral office on its way to hell. My God. We stop trusting in Jesus. We're going to trust in our own self. We're born and shaped in iniquity. Where is that going to lead us? To a burning hell. We're born on death row. We're not supposed to like it. The Holy Ghost is going to show us that we need to, to grow a dislike, uh, uh, a distaste. Amen. And begin to begin to regurgitate that thing and let God be God. Hallelujah. We got to let God be God. Thank God. We need to what? Come to our spiritual sense. Let God be God. Holy Spirit, we adjure you. Come in as we seek to deny the power of hell. We want Jesus to come in. We're not going to deny the power of Jesus. I don't want to ever learn and deny Jesus. I want to ever learn and walk into holy faith where Jesus now is my all in all. And he's going to help me to be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what I'm supposed to do if I move from death to life by his transforming power. It's automatically going to happen as I come into the knowledge of the truth where Jesus says, welcome in thy good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of the lord he's got to do it right now on this side of glory then one day when death comes and it is inevitable it is appointed for everyone to die but after this the judgment uh, where will you stand in the judgment before christ have you already accepted christ as lord and savior before your death my god if so thank god you have already been born again and that earthly life is gone and now your spiritual life is present with god and you will remain eternally with him instead of eternally in damnation because when you reject God's call that's the only other place that's gonna amen be available we need to go the way of God and hear his voice and not harden ourselves against it hear his voice and repent hear his voice and submit there to to God and he will enable you to resist the devil's call resist the devil's alluring call my God fight them off hallelujah through the power of the holy spirit be able to tell the devil no i speak to your secret thought life right here and right now that you will be enabled by the holy ghost to say no to the devil i hope you will right now denounce 
in your secret private thought life right now. Oh, it's where it's easy to fall. Where you say, oh, what the heck? Let me go on ahead and do it. I got out of it before I could get out of it again. Loose here. No, you could go in and not rise anymore. Sinking to rise no more. But you better hope the master of the sea will hear your despairing cry. And from the waters of trouble, lift you up and safe will you be. Let love lift you up. Love is Jesus. Let him lift you up out of the angry waves, out of apostasy. Let him lift you up. Hey, hallelujah, God. Now I tell you, oh God, that I mean business. I want you to burn up the dross. Oh, if I'm going to be pure gold, Lord, come in and be the refining fire that burns up things that are not needed, that are embellishing. Oh God, things not needed or the pretense. I don't need it, Lord. Take it out of me. I want to be real. In the name of Jesus, help me, Lord. These little finite things that are tripping me up, take them out, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I don't want to ever go back to them. Give me some else to do in, re in replacement of that, Lord God. I need a holy thing to do. Transform my mind. Renew my mind, oh God. Take out the bad stuff of, oh, hellish habits, Lord. Take them out. Take the taste away, Lord. In the name of Jesus, let it be distasteful. In the name of Jesus, the very core of my being, be blessed by God. Oh, hallelujah. Cleansed by God. Emptied out by God. Now filled by God and also sealed by God. Help me, oh God, repair the breach that I once, oh God, used to let the, the, the devil come right on in in the back door. I don't want the devil to have a back door, oh God, entry anymore. Close it up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. No pretense, Lord. Oh, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I got, everything I am, I'm yours. Try me now and see, see if I could be completely yours. I need you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.